Hi, this is Chris Birch from Modiphius. You are listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris, Jessica, and Peter talk about their role-playing game plans for 2023. In the news, D&D Beyond posts the OGL version 1.2 survey, the cover release for Keys from the Golden Vault, the second Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves trailer released, new releases coming for the Dune RPG and Cyberpunk Red, and more. Plus, listener questions and a brand new sketch about the frustrating, incompatible variety of scrying communication media this week on Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG talk this week the podcast is sponsored by the Imperial Bank of Botherton if you have a mountain of gold coins looted from an unfortunately deceased goblin tribe or a cache of valuable gems liberated from a sadly demised commune of bugbears you'll find no better place to store it The Imperial Bank of Botherton's vault is guarded by nuclear bear owls, and its adamantine doors are enchanted by the greatest mage in all the... Oh, wait, I think there must be an error. I'm the greatest mage in all the world. Who is is this pretender? Who? Who? I demand to know! All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial Tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial Tabletop RPG Talk I am Russ, a.k.a. Morris, or Morris, a.k.a. Russ And with me this week is Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers, Russ has ever. It is a delight to be here. And joining us again, it is a lady of infinite jest. It is, well, they say she's a bit Gotham City. It's the one, it's the only, it's... It's me, Jessica from EN Publishing. And just to explain that Gotham City reference, I'm wearing a two-tone jacket, which first made Russ think he was perhaps going colourblind and or blind. Uh, and then decided I looked like someone from Gotham City because my jacket has two colours on it. So I know, I know, Peter has stolen my joke. It's a I good have. joke, though. <laughs> Plagiarised my joke. Should have left it, it like that. A bit, a bit of Gotham. I came up with the phrase "You look a bit Gotham City," and Peter has stolen it. In fairness, Yoink. they they didn't steal it. They just you know used it, and they didn't claim any credit for it. They just no. merely you know maybe under fair use. Yeah, but if I put it out there under creative. Commons by license. That does mean ah, that you have to attribute it to me when you use yeah. it. Yeah, but at any point you could create a license that's irrevocable, but then change your mind and take it back. Really, and then people wouldn't be able to use it. So you should. Just I could do, do that. that. I could. Do this that. is what I get for doing a podcast with nerds. Yes, mm. I bought this on myself. I see now. Shall we you get on it, with you the say actual? It like you're not one of us, Peter. <laughs> I'm sorry. Shall we get on with the actual show? Yes. So, yes. so, so we have got some listener questions. So, following on from last week with the quickfire round that worked so well, we're going to do that again this week. So, we're going to go through all the questions. We're going to each answer them really quick, one or two sentences only, and move on. Oh, no more you, know, you, you know, I need at least fifteen minutes to answer a simple question. Fifteen is uh, an underestimate. I feel. It's fair. It's fair. Anyway, <laughs> shall we? <laughs> Okay, so question number one from Jordan Taylor. How much prep do you do in GMing, long-term prep, and for the night? Well, for me, not a lot. Not a lot at all. I am very much a wing-it style GM. Always have been. I much prefer it that way. And I always feel my games work better like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I'm really a newbie good. GM, so I probably do more prep. I don't do as much scenario prep, but that's generally because the, the games I've run so far have been very kind of freeform, you create the game as you go, st- collaborative storytelling style. But I make sure I know the rules, I create little cue cards for rules for me and to hand out to players, any materials that help explain things to them, I go through. So yeah, I do I do a lot of preparation, but not necessarily scenario. You are, you are the anti-me. I, I am a bit uptight <laughs> and organised about things in my general life, so it's no surprise that I'm that sort of GM. Excellent qualities in the business manager, I yes. would say. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible qualities appreciate... for an anxious human being. I generally don't make notes, but that's because I remember it. And I'm starting to run, like, I've got four campaigns in the pipeline, one of which I've not won. One is Savage Pathfinder. One is Error of the Consortium, which I'm pretty excited about because I played like 10 hours of it uh, last week. I'm like, yeah, I've got to do some of this. And... We're a minute in and you haven't answered the question yet, Peter. Yeah, I am answering the question. How much prep do I do? <laughs> as little as possible. What module? There you go. Excellent. So, Jordan Taylor would like to know, any piece of real-life kit or apps that you find really useful beyond pens, paper, etc.? Um, I don't use an awful lot, actually, to be honest. Um, I like having in-person gaming when I'm not in front of a, a, a PC. I like having a, an iPad or a tablet handy just for looking stuff up. It's better than a, for a phone for that sort of thing. But generally speaking, not really for me. Mm-hmm. This... Very digital voice recorder, which is in my hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so I use it in the game Ten Candles. So I get them to leave a message at the beginning, which it says kind of in the book to do, uh, leave a message in character. Uh, mm-hmm. And then at the end of the game, when they all died, I got to play them back to make them sad because they got to reference back the beginning of their character's journey to the end. Um, but I could also use this to record messages in a modern setting because you can scroll through them to play them back. So kind of like the way you would use a soundboard if you're playing online, but in person you could use a little tape recorder. Clever. Mm. What about you, Peter? Battle map, white clean pens, small glass beads, poker chips of at least two different sizes that I can write on, uh, calculators, because not everyone enjoys doing maths, and mm-hmm. I don't see why I should make them if they don't want to. Correct. Oof, I haven't used an egg type. Yeah, I, make, I make all my players do calculus and differential equations. Guys, I saw. They, they <laughs> didn't seem to be enjoying that. Let's see, calculators. I haven't used a sand timer in a while. Oh, I've used a sand timer. There you go. Yeah. yeah. And occasionally, differently to the battle map, I've used a nice black tablecloth. Mm. Uh, that's been quite successful and also like an absolute pile of minis has also hit the table from time to time because i like them and all the scenery from various board games which have done yeah i mean stuff. actual gaming accoutrements i took as a given yeah i use you know, oh okay. yeah, yeah sure it's kind of like well, sort of non-gaming all the things stuff. is peter's yeah. answer all yeah. the things okay yeah. next question i know peter this is from lee williams goes to a conventions as an attendee i wondered if russ or jessica do or is it only ever as publishers i go to convent yeah i do go to conventions not as a publisher is the short answer <laughs> the only conventions i've been to in the last few years have been as a publisher but i used to go as an attendee before that there we go that short, but quick. now because of what i do whenever i go to a convention i'm kind of representing the company and there's a bit of networking so even though i don't like have a stand that i'm not working at a table it does feel a bit 
kind of like a work thing in mm. that way. Yeah, yeah. I know Unless it's mean. a mini convention with just my friends. Yeah. But I do them as well. Okay. Uh, a final question from Art Lyon or Leon. What RPG book do you own that's absolutely falling apart but you can't quite get rid of? I've got a first edition Dungeon Master's Guide. I've got two, one in decent condition and one in absolute rubbish condition which I've had for years and years and years, and now I can't get rid of it. I don't know why, because I've got two of them, but I can't. All of my books are in pretty good condition, because I've only been in the hobby for like 15 years, so none of mine have been ravaged by time yet. That's actually a really long time. Oh, I guess. I'm just comparing myself to really you, Russ. <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah, I, I mostly, when I started, had a lot of PDFs, so I didn't have a lot of physical books, because I was in my early 20s, just fresh off being a student, and didn't have money for books, so I'd just get mm. the PDFs. And we'd share books at the table. So so I don't have many old, old books, really. Okay. I find the basis of the question that I would allow my books to fall into disrepair to be morally offensive. <laughs> the one that's probably in the worst, Nick, is, I'm going to say, either my Exalted 2nd Edition or my Dark Heresy books, because they spent a lot of time travelling on the tube. And they're, they're like, if you'd like to imagine like those books, but covered in little sticky notes mm. all over the place, then you have an excellent idea of what my books look like. Okay. Most of my books for the EM publishing ones are a bit dented and dinged, though. But that's because if the warehouse has a copy of one of our books that is dented and banged up that we wouldn't sell, I generally say to them, oh, send me that copy as my contributor copy, because I don't oh. mind if the corner's a bit... Because it's one we can't sell. And, yeah, it's, yeah. and usually it's like... It's quite minor, so it's not a problem. Like, the corner's dented or there's a little scratch yeah. on the back, which... I don't mind, but like if somebody was buying a brand new book, they perhaps would not yeah. want that, so we wouldn't. Sell I think it. it just gives it character. I yeah. think so too, and I don't mind, and it's my mm. contributor copy, so you know. Okay. Anyway, it looks like you've used them. Let's do some. Mm. Let's do some news, shall we? Yes. Let's. Shall we get the open gaming license news out of the way first? Luckily, there isn't anywhere near as much as there has been recently, but yes, there is a little, a little, 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 little bit. There's quite a bit of wizardy news, though. So if we get the wizardy news out of the way. I've been enjoying the work of Linda Kudega. I'll just so say that. You, <laughs> so you know um, Paizo's Open RPG License, Orc? Orc. Yeah. Yes. So they uh, just did a little sort of like, uh, I suppose it's kind of a joke, but um, um, last week they announced that the uh, that Pathfinder and Starfinder Society now has the Orc ancestry slash species now always available for both of those organised play programmes. And they went on to say, our oracles indicate a striking number of these new adventurers will be trained in legal law or have the profession lawyer skill. So Paizo made a little dad joke there, all Good about their own walk license. I thought it was quite funny. Yeah, why yeah. not? Yeah, why sure. not? <laughs> the week's news needs a bit of light-hearted puns, I think. Exactly. Because January exactly. has been a time. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Hello, Morris here. I'm recording this quick update on Friday evening after we finished recording this week's show because Wizards of the Coast has just dropped quite the bombshell. Um, we'll talk about it in more detail in next week's podcast, but Wizards has just announced that it will leave the open gaming license version 1.0a untouched and will release the whole of the 5e system reference document under a Creative Commons license. This was, um, this was completely unexpected and obviously it's wonderful news for the open gaming community as i said we will talk more about it next week when it's had time to sink in and percolate for a bit but i just wanted to get that bit of breaking news into this week's show okay back to the show 
So the survey went out for the Open Gaming License 1.2, the latest draft. And yes. Over 10,000 people apparently have filled out that survey. I have. Mm-hmm. Have either of you two filled that out? I, I, I have. haven't yet. It's on my things to do list. I warn you, it's yes. quite a righty survey. Yeah. As There's a lot a of click, open text. Click, click, click dots survey. It's quite a righty survey, so it does take a while. Well, I, I did like Mike Shea's take on the whole thing. Uh, Sly Furrish, uh, uh, he wrote a fairly detailed list of the points going through the things that wizards were asking and yeah. providing his take on them, which I thought mm. to be judicious, well-balanced, and exactly the sort of excellent advice that we've come to rely on Mike Shea for. Hmm. Well, given the fact that he does have the most popular podcast, RPG podcast of 2022. It's official! In the talk category. Yes. Amen. As yeah. we discussed last week. As yeah. we discussed last week. Yeah, so on, on that note, though, so Wizards has commented on some of the survey feedback. So the survey's still open until February the 3rd, which is, what, next week? Or mm-hmm. Week away, is it? Yeah. Yeah. But they have shared some of the feedback that they're getting, you know, in advance. Mm-hmm. So um, they've said, we want to thank the community for continuing to show blah, 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 blah. Um, so, so far, the survey responses have made it clear this draft hasn't hit the mark for our community. Um, it's also clear that the draft VTT policy, which I must admit I, I'm not as familiar with as the actual OGO one because I don't yeah. run a VTT, um, yeah. ha- has also missed the mark. Animations were clearly the wrong focus. We'll do better next time or next round. So interesting. I don't know what that means. I guess that means there definitely will be another draft, though. They're not just going to yeah. say... Thank you for feedback, but we're going to keep it as it is. Yeah, well, the big the big pushback is going to be the um, morality clause because it's so open ended and just lets them shut down a competitor at will. That was the key part of mine. That yeah. was like, this mm-hmm. is the the key issue I have. Hmm. Well, yeah, so one they also, of the key. They also had a an FAQ mm-hmm. along with it mm-hmm. because uh, Wizards of the Coast FAQs can totally be trusted, and if they put out an FAQ, then that holds true forever. Yes. Yeah, definitely. That's how FAQs work. If you put out an FAQ in public, you can believe it. Is that a reference to the fact that they said the Open Gaming License version 1.0a would never be revoked? In yeah, FAQ? in an FAQ. Okay, yeah, 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 they said okay, that. Great. So if if we could, so if we can believe that this FAQ, we can believe that one. Is that is that fair to say? Of They're course, both yes. equal, equally believable. That's uh, that was a lot of the points that I made in my feedback on the survey as well. <laughs> I was because they're like, would you do you have trust in us doing this going forward? And I was like, yeah. well, no, because. You could say something very good today, but I don't know if you'll be saying that tomorrow. So. Exactly, exactly. But anyway, what they have said anyway. in this recent FAQ, mm-hmm. not the previous FAQ, mm-hmm. um, is that these those recent rumours about $30 subscriptions and homebrew content going away are false. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I think a lot of the sources of that weren't particularly concrete. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I'm not did, sure. we talk about, did we talk about that last week? I can't remember. We didn't, because last week there were so many rumours flying about about different things that we, yeah. for journalistic integrity, didn't have verified. So we decided last week, not yeah, the to big one was the AIDMs, wasn't it? The yes. Wizards of the Coast was going to be doing advanced artificial intelligent DMs. Yes. And they sort of they just <laughs> tweeted Sorry. that we are not working on AIDMs. <laughs> that's yeah. not a thing that's happening. I don't think any AI is advanced enough to deal with the chaos of a table of players yeah. because yeah. human GMs struggle. Yeah. Um, because um, players do the wildest things. Yeah. But that, that FAQ does say they will be revising the harmful content morality clause. So we'll see what they do with that. I mean, that is the biggest problem. But even so, even so, no matter what they do, do you, do you trust it still? 
In ten years' time, will they come out with a new interpretation of what something that you thought was obvious means? Exactly. Ten years' time. <laughs> and twenty years' time. Fifty. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. My main thing mm. I, I I said with it was I think in order to have trust in it, it needs to be an independent body that is not them that mm. defines what is and isn't included, and that there mm. is a process that you can. Um, yeah. What's it called? Refute it. What's that process? And also, appeal, also, appeal, also, appeal process. Uh, and also those, they don't get to choose who's on that independent body. No. That's what independent means. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah. But if you can define irrevocable, you can define independent, I suppose. <laughs> if you're allowed to just redefine words and terms and concepts at will. Yes. Which apparently you can. Apparently that's how <sighs> how contracts work now. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, anyway, so that's that's the open gaming license news pretty much done, I think. Yeah, you've got unless, until... Unless there's any more that I've missed that you can think of. Um, No, I think you've just got until the 3rd of February to to complete that survey. So if you have an opinions, we'd love it if you would uh, give them. Because, um, yeah, that's the best that we can do at this point, really. I tell you what is yeah. interesting is how mm-hmm. some competitors are starting to sell out of product mm. and massive surges in sales. The mm. so Pathfinder has completely yep. sold out of the core rulebook and won't have any more in until April. Yeah. Yep. Call of Cthulhu, they are about to run out of starter sets. Yeah. We have sold loads in the last month. Yeah. Like, I, we've yeah, had a massive yeah. surge. We were just having a chat saying that we're going to need to another print run sooner mm. than we thought. So yeah. we may so at some point be out of stock. Yeah. Soon. So it seems like gamers looking wow. at alternatives isn't just, you know, isn't just words. People are actually doing it. Yeah, yeah. I think really. a lot of people are putting their money where their mouth is with yeah, third party yeah. creators, which is or, or alternative systems and things like that. So it's um, yeah. which is ideal. Oh, well, we've got something so great to announce about that once the lawyers get back to us. We that. cannot do it yet, Russell, because we need wait. to play the legal game. What I am waiting for with bated breath. Uh, mm-hmm. Things I'm interested in. I'm interested in ORC. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in Black Flag Project from Copen mm-hmm. Press. I'm very much interested in Ian Publishing's D-O-G-L-I-F-I-ing uh, attempts. But we cannot discuss that. I will reveal that we do now have a crack D-O-G-L-I-F-I-ing team put together being headed up by Paul Hughes. Yes. And they have started work. Nice. I will, I will yes. reveal that, but I can't reveal any more than that. I don't think at no. this stage. Any public statements are going through our legal representation literally, at this point. Literally. Because, <laughs> yeah. because yeah. apparently that's the world we now live in where we have to do this, which is such yeah. a shame. Because I'd... Rather than spending money on lawyers, I would rather spend that money making more games. But there we go. That's yeah. this is where we live in. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, about the OGL, one of my I say favorite very sarcastically parts is in the FAQ. I think it said, "What do third party publishers doing that are creating under that you know already in development for something using version one point a of the open mm-hmm. game license?" And they're like, "Yeah, keep developing it under that." What we're going to do is we're going to hope you're going to like the new version of 1.2 and, and want to go with that. And I'm like, that's not an answer. Yeah, what happens if we don't? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there was no, they're like, well, well, I'm sure you'll like it. And I'm like, I'm, I'm sure we will not. <laughs> like, uh, mm. And it's just completely avoided the question of revoking it. Because I, I, I just think an ideal solution at this point they, would say... They're not going to back down on that. They're not going to not try to revoke it. I know, but I th- really think they should because... I don't know if they can legally. So what are they going to do if somebody just carries on using 1.8, you know? Do they want the PR hit of... Of suing them. Suing them or not, basically. And also they might not win. All I have to say on the matter is 
hashtag D&D be gone. Set your D&D Beyond subscription to cancel and maybe that will buy the rest of the industry a bit of time whilst we're trying to get our ducks in a row to yeah. arrange a nice orderly evacuation after this. Yeah. Well, you see, the people running D&D now, yes. and we are kind of going off a little off topic, but the people running oh. D&D now came in from Microsoft, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yes. They've got an entirely having, yeah. different viewpoint of how these things work. Yes, yes. I you know, microtransactions and loot boxes, I guess. You know, I don't, I don't really know yeah, how. Would you like things. a new cosmetic for your uh, your spell attack animation? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You want to make a new character sheet? That would be ninety nine cents. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like nickeling, nickel and diming is a phrase mm. which I've often heard, and it seems very applicable to how they yeah. see the future of the game. All right, should we, should we move on to some better D and D news? Well, yes, let's. Mm, Jessica? Yes. Well, I can, related to d and I've got some Hasbro news, which might, I thought kind of gave a bit of context to why a lot of stuff is happening. So mm-hmm. Hasbro, uh, so they're in Wizards of the Coast, um, have yeah. announced over a thousand employees are going to be laid off in the coming weeks. None from Wizards, though. Correct. Um, oh. Correct. So uh, the thousand employees are about 15% of the company's total workforce, though. And the reason for this... Wow is because their consumer product division, that's toys and not Wizards of the Coast games, are mm. down 26%. But yeah. um, if you look at Wizards of the Coast and the digital gaming division, they are up 22%. Mm-hmm. So you can see what's happening is the Wizards of the Coast and that side of the company is holding up the rest of the company. And that's why they're really the looking... The tail is wagging the dog these days, yeah. Yeah, yeah and so that's why they're looking to mm. monetize it and do all these things. So I think that's why they put in this new management and they're like, right, we need to... And, and it's going all corporate is because literally Hasbro needs this to survive overall for the company. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Wizards so. is basically the strongest part of Hasbro now. Yeah, yeah. but this, this isn't news. We've had the VC uh, yeah. takeover attempt yeah. in yeah. previous years. So yeah. Correct. But the 1,000 employees being laid off over the next few weeks was the news item. Yeah. So mm. that kind yeah. of... And I think that made... Can, can explain to people, you know, it's quite a severe situation they're in, which is why they're making some wild business moves. Yeah. I mean, I don't really know the reasons for that, but I imagine there's broader economic reasons because, like, lots of big companies are doing that right now as well. Yes. Amazon is, and yeah. like all the uh, tech giants are. So there's yeah. there's a lot of that going on right now. But we are hiring an art and layout manager if there's an we art are, and layout yeah. manager that has yeah. been laid off at yeah. Hasbro. So if you have to apply for that, um, <laughs> that is a thing. What yeah. we are doing, yeah, that's the thing that we're doing. So apologies to those thousand people that have lost their jobs because yeah. that's not a way you want to start the new year. But no, let's go now that's news. the bad news for, for D&D news. done. Let's move on to the D&D good news. Let's talk about Keys in the Golden Vault, shall we? So, yeah. Oh, yeah. So. At, it's interesting how little fanfare this is getting, given that it comes out in, what, three weeks now? Uh, it's a big book of heists. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's barely been mentioned. Hmm. Possibly because of the current OGO stuff. Maybe not. Normally at this stage... Wizards would be well into the publicity machine with previews yeah. appearing on um, mainstream yes. websites and stuff like that. But I guess a lot of the mainstream websites would much rather talk about the OGL right now than that. So I, I just feel sorry for the writers and designers, the artists, the whole publishing machinery of people who are completely blameless, who are producing what, by rights, I should be frothing at the mouth saying, gimme, gimme, gimme. I'm like, eh. And for the benefit of listeners at home, I'm just doing a very impressive Gallic shrug with full shoulder movement mm. uh, because I am unfast. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not going to buy it. So, so it has what you're going to do. It has appeared. Yes. 
But not on the Amazon webpage and not mm-hmm. on Wizards' main product page. Only on their Wizards Play Network website, which is a site designed for hobby store retailers. Because uh, the Wizards Play Network is a network of stores, as I understand okay. it. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of preferred stores that have a uh, good relationship with the Wizards of the Coast. I don't know the exact details. I'm not a retailer and that's just not the side of the industry I'm knowledgeable no. about. But it's appeared on that site. So we've got a cover... Mm-hmm. and the alternate cover, and we've got a product description. But it's not on Amazon yet, the cover and the mm. description, and it's not on their own main website yet. So it's kind of weird. It's like, and it comes out on February the 21st, really yeah. soon. And there's just been no fanfare. They've, they haven't even announced it. They just like quietly just added it to the Wizards Play Network. It stuff. is a pretty looking cover. It's all gold, mm. and it's got like a... Big key? Big key. Yeah, that's the alternate one, isn't it? And, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the alternate one. So the uh, the other one, um, let me just call it up. Look, so but I would expect there are probably legitimate concerns that, whilst obviously here on this podcast we're like it's not the design team's fault, yeah. people yeah. who publish books didn't have any say in this. There's going to be some people who are very angry and yeah. who might say cruel and kind, possibly even untrue things about the book when it comes if it was to be available for pre-order and so forth. Yeah. And like being review bombed is not fun. And I would not advocate for it. I do not advocate for it. But I could see that would be a reason to not put it out available. Okay. Um, The other half of my sentence. The other one um, is um, like a museum with a sort of like a glass dome with a group of adventurers that seem to be swinging down. Maybe a museum, maybe a vault or something. Or probably a vault, actually. The geese sort of golden vault. Vaults don't tend to have glass roofs, though. Anyway, whatever. Um, swing, it's kind of swinging down Mission Impossible style yes. into into yes. some kind of room or something. Yes. Chamber or something. Possibly from um, the air vents. Um, yeah. Something else tell, yeah, are famed yeah. for having. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, it does look like a decent book. It does look like yeah. a decent book. It's, you know, it's not getting much fanfare. It's 13 adventures. Mm. 13 standalone adventures, levels 1 to 11, each of which is focused on a single heist. Mm. And they're designed to be set in any world. Yeah, so they, yeah, yeah. they're world agnostic um, and designed to be played individually or as part of a full campaign. And the Golden Vault is, a, is an organisation. Oh. And the players work as heist operatives for the Golden Vault. Another organisation. Okay. An organisation, yes. Yeah. Yes. Another yeah. one. They've had, they've had a whole bunch. Yeah. There was and, like uh, six for five or six, I remember, for Adventurers League. I don't know. No. Um, so apparently the adventures they emphasise player choice so that every heist you've got multiple routes towards success so you can plan different methods of achieving that I like that idea yeah that it's not just one way of doing it yes but yeah it looks, I mean it does look like a decent product it's not gonna I don't think it's gonna get the fanfare that probably you know it deserves but and it's not the fault of the people that wrote it absolutely not I'm sure it is beautifully laid out with many examples of fun and diverse artwork mm. there are there any player options? I don't know. That's pretty much all we know, to be honest. Um, we haven't had that much detail because we're not talking. No, yeah, but as I say, it seems a shame because it. it seems like it seems like a really fun adventure to run and to play. And hmm. but yeah, I don't think it's going to get the love it perhaps deserves as a a piece of creative, you know, work because yeah. of the way the brand's been managed. Mm. People, a lot of people are saying, "I don't want to buy anything from Wizards of the Coast at the moment," which mm. is fair. I'll tell you what will be interesting. Is just see whether or not because this is going to be the actual test. I think how well this book does. 
outside of all the people tweeting and all this sort of stuff, this is this is going to be the actual thing where, because we always get the Amazon sales data, you can always see how well a book does. It's going yeah. to be really interesting to see whether or not the sales are in fact affected or not. I have contacts with a very, very small number of retailers and they say they're having a lot of difficulty shifting D&D stock. Partly, of course, is because they have said, they basically now said, we're launching 6th edition. Mm. They were previously saying it was 5.5, but the playtest documents that have come out just show it's not compatible at all, and mm. which which is fine, it's fine, but it's, it's basically now 6th edition, so it's there's always going to be, I believe you said, Russ, a pre-edition, pre-new release edition slump? Yeah. 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 So yeah. Yeah. Maybe, that maybe that's connected. With, combined with the OGL stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, so. we don't know. There's uh, some other decent news. Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves, the movie, coming out March 31st. There's a brand new trailer for it. Have you seen it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, those two responses were very different in tone. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it looks all right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, uh, but again, I find it very difficult to be excited about it. It's very, very mm-hmm. slapstick one linery. I noticed from it. Possibly more so than I expected. It really does emphasize the humor over everything else. Again, Mm -hmm. as previously demonstrated on previous podcasts, I would normally be very excited about this. I'm just finding it very difficult to maintain any enthusiasm due to the brand management. Um, Yeah. I've never been a Wizards of the Coast fanboy. I have enjoyed their work a lot, but it's never been like a major. I I would never wear a t shirt. With a D and D dragon on it, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> I would never. I wouldn't wear. I would if I was to wear a baseball cap. It would have never. In I, don't, I don't wear branding at all. I, I yeah. hate the idea of it. Yeah, yeah, but like you know, just to show one support. Like I've worn cool Cthulhu t-shirts, like mine that. Mm. But I've never felt the need to do a fifth D and D shirt. That would never. So I've never been that into the brand. But I'm just like finding myself. My emotional reaction is. <sighs> they just mm, run no. over and slap Which... your friends in front of you. So you're like, hey, not cool, man. <laughs> That, that that is a very genteel and polite way to paraphrase how I feel about it. Yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the trailer does look fine. I mean, it's got you can see yes. the mimic, the owlbear, and some other sort of iconic D and D monsters in live action, which look pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it looks quite funny. You get some views of the red wizards mm-hmm. doing mm. red wizardy stuff. Uh, yes. So you know, it's a very tongue in cheek. Clearly, a very tongue in cheek. Yeah. Like they always said, Gardens of the Galaxy was kind of the template. Yeah, and I that see is that. Definitely true, isn't it? Yeah. It's very well, true. Absolutely. Yeah. Five movies. I have enjoyed them a lot. So yeah, yeah. I yeah, I would be excited for it. I think, and it would be something I was definitely going to watch. But now I'm not sure if I want to. I'm not hard to be excited. I know I'm not going to go watch it opening weekend because I don't want to. I still, I still but, think we yeah. as a podcast should go and watch it and then report on it. Yeah, could do. Like immediately afterwards, though, not not like wait a day. Like immediate reactions. Take some. Take a phone. I don't do think you're allowed to do that. No, not in there. Come out. <laughs> Come out, and then immediately record our thoughts straight afterwards. Have a like, like quick mini sort of fifteen minute podcast straight afterwards. <laughs> I think that would be fun. Yeah. Okay. All right, we'll Could go do. watch it. We're gonna right. go watch it. We'll let you know be- what we think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But All I right. think. Like like you were saying, Peter, I think my view has been coloured just because I'm just mm. unhappy with the OGL stuff and the way mm. Wizards plans and it's kind of taken the shine off of mm. me, which is such a shame because it would be yeah. such a great way to bring new people into the hobby. And It probably still will, you know. though. 
I, I mean, with that cast, I was expecting it to be the, uh, like, you know, a personal, like, I'm so excited about this movie of the year. Even if it was, even if it turned out to be really bad, I still expected to quite enjoy it. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, out of the uh, seven billion people on this planet, I reckon mm. approximately seven billion of them don't know what the OGL is or care. So, I, yeah. you know. Um, D&D is a hobby that's run, tabletop games in general, is run by the Game Masters. Mm. And the Game Masters, I think, are kind of mm. people that are more involved in the hobby more and know more about the, this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I see yeah. a lot of people online that run for their tables, and their tables are quite casual players. Don't yeah. know anything about it. But also, their table doesn't buy any books or anything like that. The Game Master no. knows everything, buys the books, and they just share them on the table. Mm. So yeah. the people with the power, the, the spending power that you know Hasbro cares yeah. about are the game masters and generally they're the people that are more invested in the hobby and i'm sure um, hashtag yeah. not all game masters but i think generally and i think, and I think most mm. people engage with their hobby online these days yes. whatever your hobby might be if it's knitting you probably look up knitting patterns online oh, if it's yeah. baking uh, yeah. you probably look YouTube. up recipes online yeah if it's yeah. D you probably look up D stuff online yeah, I think absolutely. most people do these days. It's, mm-hmm. it's long past the era where people say, oh, 99% of people don't know anything about D&D online. They just play games at home. Of course you do. Everyone does. Yeah. Um, even if it's just like talking about it on Facebook or Twitter or or just it's Googling getting, Reddit or whatever. Mm-hmm. Getting broader media coverage. Um, yeah. Certain things, people like Cory Doctorov are mentioning it. So that's uh, interesting. Uh, this was all in The Guardian. Um, National Public Radio in America had a segment on it. Forbes uh, magazine, I think. uh, The Washington Post, the Washington Post covered it. So you know, it's hitting, it's hitting mainstream media. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, okay. What other news have we got? Would you like to talk about a tabletop RPG that is not D and D or Wizards of the Coast? Yes, I would love to. Great, let's do that. So, kind of segueing from a film as well. So. The film mm. Dune came out, was very popular. Dune, Dune, depending on where you are Dune. in the world. D-U-N-E. Dunny. Dune. Dune. Modiphius has has uh, the, the license for the game, so it's Dune Adventures in the Imperium. So that's not the news, because we already know that exists. Very pretty. Love it. Um, they are bringing out a new source book for it, so that is the news I'm telling you today, and it's called The Great Game, Houses Ooh. of Landstrad. And I assume that's nice. how you pronounce it. The, I, I'd say Landsrat, but yeah, sure. Yeah, um, yeah. What, I'm probably what Peter said. wrong, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how it's pronounced, so I Who just knows? said it confidently and hope, you know, I'm sure the internet will correct me. But yeah, so it's a book, 128 pages. It's got like politics of Landstrad, Landstrad, Landsrad, that place. Yeah, that, it's got yeah, the politics yeah. of the place in the book. It, it's yeah. an organisation. Yeah. Oh, the organisation. Yeah, yeah, it's the like all the like little tiny houses, like you've got the big okay. ones, like Atreides and Harkonnen. Yeah, and then you got everyone else, so it's mm. like a United Nations almost. Oh, but, well, thank yeah. you for the context. I haven't read the books. The United <laughs> Houses. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah. this is about the council, the complex relationships between them, mm-hmm. the art of assassination, uh, different you know mm. player characters, a guide to the spacing guild. So yeah, so it's, it's pretty much expanding mm. that world. And if you're like me. And clueless about the setting, this probably will be helpful to give you more information on it. Because my, mm. I haven't read all the books because I tried to and I didn't get along with the writing style, and I'm very dyslexic mm. and it just wasn't friendly to that have for you, me. Have, have you seen the films? I have seen the film, yes. Because only one out so far, isn't there? Well, there's the original one in the eighties, and then there's the new one. I have That's not right. seen the old uh, Dune film, uh, but if you're interested in the new source book, it's been released Ooh. in March. 
Mm. Presumably for my birthday yeah. um, in March. I can only presume Modiphius plans their mm. scheduling around such events. And they've got like a new June film coming out as well, I think. So, oh, is it? Point. Is that this the, year? The second, the second half. I'm pretty sure it's this year. I could be wrong. Right. Oh, okay. Who knows? Yeah. I haven't been to cinema in ages, so yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't well, go very often because I'm shut in a room full news. of people, and I, people are terrible. Um. So also yeah. we have other TTRPGs that are not D and D, which no we such like. Thing. Um. So anyway. Uh. So Black <laughs> Chrome. A text and style Ooh. guide for Cyberpunk Red. I love the cover Ooh. of that. I love the tattoo mm. on that lady. That's a cool but, um, tattoo. But yeah, so if you like the original Cyberpunk, you'll remember there was a Chromebook series, um, and this is the new version of that pretty much. Is that a good summary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so basically it's like a shopping catalogue full of stuff. So you've got like weapons, clothing, Ooh. armour, gear, uh, cybernetic oh. implants, um, fashion, yeah. uh, weapons, linear frames... Plus information on the economy of Night City functions. Mm. So yeah, so if I mean, if you're in that game, it's just expanding that with more stuff and or things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's being printed currently, so February March oh. time they're saying it'll be available. Oh, that's quite cool. It's it's got a sort of a magazine like cover. Yeah, um, like like what gun? <laughs> it does look what, like it what, is what, a, what a shopping guide for your character. It's like your character has yeah. been handed the Argos catalog. <laughs> Of terrifying things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Danger illustrated. So maybe you can just circle yeah, stuff think, and hand Traveller it to your GM. That. Yeah, Traveller does that, I think, as well. Yeah, well. it's yeah, a nice yeah. idea. Uh, yeah, lo- lovely picture of um, a femme-presenting person with a great arm too and awesome a arm sweet katana. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't see the full thing. I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, it looks pretty good to me. It's like just like a, the backdrop of a city with like a helicopter with neon lights and so forth going off it yeah it's a very cyberpunk yeah so if um, you're if you're enjoying you know cyberpunk red then hmm. yeah. more of more of that for you there's a kickstarter yeah. that caught my eye oh, oh excellent curse of camelot and it comes oh. from ebc publishing and it caught my eye because basically if you take the arthurian legends but hmm. what if the knights of the round table were hmm. evil were they? I kind of liked that concept, so <laughs> it caught my eye. So I think I might back this one. I don't know much about it. It's an original system, D6 based. Mm. That's all. That's all I really know about it. But I like the concept of it, and I like the art, the evil knights of the round tables. So that is a pretty cool yeah. one. It's only thirteen dollars for the PDF, and you get digital maps and VTT files with it as well. Nice, nice. So anything else? Uh, a Kickstarter that caught my eye. Um, yeah. it's a bit of an unusual one. Many people that like. Tabletop RPGs also like comic books. So what better better way than to combine the two? This is for a Kickstarter from Sovereign Comics. And what this is, is for the low, low price of $40, you can get yourself 146 pages and 15 comics that you will be unable to get anywhere else, which are all about, like, stories from tabletop RPGs. It's actually the third year this has come out. New year, new stories. That's it, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's there, there's a lot of stuff going on here. Um, like a variety of different art styles, black and white, full colour, like the whole nine yards. It go, uh, And essentially, the idea is a pay-for-the-print cost. There's like some, about 13% of the money covers some other production costs. And so the balance will all go directly to the creators. So that's um, 
quite a good deal if you like supporting comic book creators. There's only 54 hours to go as we're recording, so by the time this goes out, it will be well in under two days. So you have to get in yeah, yeah. quick. That's true. You best best snip and then get a copy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A game I've mm-hmm. seen that I'm excited about, um, I mm, think yes. people might know, but if I give you the quote for it, see if you can tell which one it is. Be a good dog. An exciting game. Protect your home. Be loyal to those who are true. These are the words of the Code of Man. Nice. Yeah, Rams of Pugmar. Yeah. Mm. We talked about it last week. I know. Oh. It's 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 just <laughs> no, but it's out now. It wasn't out yeah. last week. Oh right. Okay. It was up and coming, but it's yeah. it's it's there now, and I just Ooh. I like dogs and I like role playing games. What a combo. Yeah. And that's, we all like dogs and we all like role playing games. Yeah, and we did talk about it briefly last week as well. But it is the Kickstarter is now and they have a oh, they have a deluxe edition that I hadn't seen. <laughs> Pledge level revised. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, and it's by Onyx Path Publishing, yeah. who are nice people. Lovely. So that's mine. Right, I think that's it with the news. We should arrange the next town council meeting. I am on a diplomatic mission to the Scarlet Reaches soon, but we can use some of this newfangled Remote meeting technology. Oh, no. Not more remote meetings. These things are driving me up the wall. No, I know what you mean. Everybody uses a different platform. I mean, there's Saruman, who uses a palantir. And the evil queen won't use anything but the magic mirror. Says it's the only thing that gets her lighting right. Granny Appleseed? She still has one of those old magic pools. No, oh, I know. I hate talking to all those ripples. It gives me a headache. Don't forget old Elminster and his sending spells. No, oh, so many spells. Not just sending, you know. Oh, yes. There's message and skyrite and telepathic bond and magic mouth. And Merlin still refuses to use any platform except for astral projection. Oh, I hate that. Makes me seasick. It's getting out of control. I have a whole room in my castle just devoted to magical communication devices. Mirrors, pools, scrying bowls, crystal balls, portals. It's just too much. Everyone I speak to uses a different platform. No, I wish everyone would just agree on a standard. Like telepathic handlers? What? Oh, never mind. You know, look, let's just agree on a platform and, uh, you know, schedule our meeting. Right, right, fine. How about a dream space? A dream space? What's that? Oh, it's that new one from Count Zuckerberger. You communicate in a shared dream. Uh, a, sh- a shared dream? Oh, I, I think I heard about that. Is that the one? Where nobody has any legs. That's the one. We can meet in any location we can dream of. No, oh, well, that does sound ideal. But, you know, do you actually know anybody with a pair of, uh, you know, Zuckerberger goggles? Maybe we should just come up with our own system. Mm, because yet another propriety platform is exactly what we need. Look, why can't we just use the Palantirs? I don't use Anything associated with Saruman anymore. Well, there are plenty of off-brand crystal balls. Just take your pick. Or we could do it the old-fashioned way. You know, some kind of uh, animal messenger. 
Though they used to be reliable. But everybody uses a different creature these days. Yeah, Westeros, it's ravens, Hogwarts, they're owls. And Radagast Brown, he sends bunnies. Bunnies? Seriously. And they're all completely incompatible. I know, like, what's wrong with a good, you know, old homing pigeon? Hmm? I know, right? Completely unsupported platform now since Pigeons R Us stopped issuing updates. Ugh. I hate abandonware. Well, we have to choose one. Let's have a formal vote. I motion for the bunnies. Well, you have my vote. Let's go with the bunnies. Me three. Bunnies it is. Motion passed. Malak the Maleficent here. If, like me, you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing on Patreon for exclusive bonus content every week and the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you are helping to keep the show going. Subscribe at patreon.com slash morris. There, I said it. Can you stop staring at me like that now? The things I do. All right, all right. Don't forget... Patreon.com slash Morris. Can I go now? So this week, a lot of people are looking at games to play that are maybe not D&D for some reasons we won't uh, go into. Um, but I, I thought, why. Yeah. So, um, and there's lots of people giving online loads of different recommendations for different mm. systems but i thought we would talk about the games we ourselves are planning to uh, to play run uh, yeah. this year that are not dungeons and dragons ones yeah. so yeah so i thought we could share what we're doing things that would attract you yeah, yeah. yes mm. peter yeah. would you like to start yeah i i can do um as people has dedicated listeners will be aware i wasn't in last week's podcast that's because i was in the little notch that's been taken out of the east coast of england known as the wash there's like a small campsite i was at the contingency convention Mm -hmm. playing games there it was awesome i got to do 48 hours of gaming over about four or five days Mm -hmm. nice that's pretty sweet yeah (laughs) Uh, full working more than a full working week in there of uh, role-playing games what did you play well i'm glad you asked us good (laughs) (laughs) i played again people who've been listening for a while may recall ed jowett and shades of vengeance has produced Era the Consortium, which is a science fiction setting, which I very much enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, so I played that uh, with my Jess. There's also West End Games Ghostbusters, which uh, I am where Russ thinks of as the pinnacle of game design, uh, mm-hmm. which I must say, I actually really enjoyed. It's it, a good game. I, I was a bit unsure about how it would play out, but actually it turned out really well. And... Um, my annoying California accent proved to not be that annoying, so I was pretty pleased with that. And now you know how to play your fleet cheerful engine as well. Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it, did, it, it did feel like I was seeing some very familiar things. Although you don't have a ghost die, Russ, and I feel that may Dope. actually... It's called a calamity die. You have a calamity die as well. Well, apparently I don't know how to play the all fleet cheerful engine. Clearly <laughs> not. Or perhaps I do, I'll just be like, oh, there's a calamity die as well. Nah, well, no, I with the, I also played Shadow in 4th edition, got to be a troll who was addicted to better than life chips and therefore thought he was Lancelot from King, from Tales of King Arthur, which 
is a complete thematic contrast to how Shadowrun normally plays I was escorting a brain in a jar who I perceived to be Merlin. So that was that 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 was definitely anything. Uh, I also played Burn Cycle, which is a very indie game of cyberpunks. Visited Neo Lagos, the city of blades, and uh, got up to up to all sorts of heisting action. Played some Savage Pathfinder, which I was about. I've I've backed the Kickstarter. I've got the stuff. Been on. Been going eh, about it. Now I'm like, yes, I am running this game. Feng Shui 2, yeah, I, I, and it was really good for me because I've learned how I would run these games from being in a game that someone else ran. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, I can I can, I can say a bit more about why I'm choosing to run as the games I've got as a result planned. Like I'm actually yeah, going to be running yeah, well, yeah, Consortium. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 because I, I, I was like, I'm really enjoying this. And also there are some adventures to go with it. Okay. And yeah. And it's like really bizarre because I was like, oh, I don't really know. I need some adventures to help guide me into it. But now I've got the adventures. I'm like, oh no, these are too good. I, I can't just like have these as my first experiment. I'm going to write my own adventure so and I can save this good stuff because there's like one that's a bit like Dead Space. It's a. Uh, oh, right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a. Uh, what's it called? Era of the Consortium Revival. I don't know if it's coming across, but there's a, a very cool picture of um, a helmeted figure. Blasting away at an unknown enemy off screen. Gasp. Um, our, ah, our mind can I, only fill in the gaps of horror. Well, yes, indeed. Uh, like in the classic traditions or things like the thing. And that's supposed to be about uh, an abandoned spaceship and they're doing, they're doing some damn fool thing or another on it. I'm like, oh, well, they clearly abandoned this spaceship <laughs> for a reason. <laughs> Let's leave it alone and never go there. <laughs> And that's the spirit yeah, of adventure part. you want in your tabletop role-playing games. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's that's very much where I'm coming from. So, yeah, I mean, that, that sounds good. And there's also um, another concept which also intrigued me. This is, like, a much slimmer volume. It's a living campaign. It's essentially a whole book which has one-page RPG sessions on it, which, because it's a living campaign, I can give a shout-out to the people who are running it and say, oh, well, this is this is what my group of hapless players managed to come up with, um, add this to results and we'll see how uh, that shapes reality. So nice. that's that's pretty exciting. And Savage Pathfinder, I'm going to be running because as I said, I wasn't sure about it, but I had such an absolute blast of a time. I was like, I love this. This is this is this is the best. It's like what? full Savage Worlds. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was just saying what were you unsure about? What were your before playing? What were your concerns? Oh, um, yeah, my, my I, I really love Savage Worlds. Uh, I've actually mm-hmm. done things like converted Feng Shui First Edition to be run in Savage Worlds because I didn't get on with the system, but I really liked I but I really liked the law, the setting. Probably wouldn't do that again. I'd probably try and do something a bit more close to the set. But I was just I just found it too confusing. And it seemed easier at the time, right, to convert it to a completely different system than to actually learn a new system. <laughs> So it's a bit like all those annoying people who do uh, say, oh, I want to do horror, but how do I do that in Dungeons and & Dragons? And it's like, well, I sympathise with those people. Sometimes the idea of learning a system is more intimidating. Well, <laughs> and you'd much rather do huge piles of work because <laughs> it's just easier than learning things. Well, speaking of horror, I ran <laughs> my first game of the year. I ran uh, my game of Ten mm. Candles. Yes! How did that go? Nothing was set on fire that wasn't meant to be. In Good. real life or the game, which I'm taking. Did you enjoy game. running it? Is the question. 
I did. I think so. And I say I think so because I was very nervous and anxious about it because mm-hmm. of who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I did. And I have offered to run it again because a different group of friends mm-hmm. that weren't in the game said, oh, that sounds cool. Would you be interested in running it again? And I said, yes. So probably, mm-hmm. yes, I think I did enjoy it. Think it on balance. <laughs> probably, <laughs> yeah. probably yes. I think I did enjoy it on balance. That's well, not the most. It was an out declarative of... way of saying. It. No, but you know, it was like an out of body experience. I was very yeah. anxious. Just had to dissociate and get get on with the task. Um, but yeah, oh. the game went well. Um, yeah. I knew the rules. People seemed to enjoy it. I had one player uh, in character crying and rocking in the corner, which I assume nice. is good. Mm-hmm. They seemed to enjoy it. The only thing that annoyed me is I did the voice tape thing. I recorded at the beginning, but I must have stopped recording incorrectly and it didn't save it. So at the end of the game, when we're all sitting there in the dark, I was meant to play everything to listen to and it didn't work. So that kind of ruined it. So I had to kind of go, and that's the end of the game to end the game instead of having that moment where they look back from where their character started to where they Mm. got to. But yeah, but no, I I really enjoyed it. It went about the right amount of time uh, because my my main thing I was worried about was pacing. And my other Mm, issue I was worried mm. about as running was giving everyone enough time on the table like balancing mm-hmm. the table yeah, yeah. but the feedback i got is that i did an okay job at that that I was trying to pull people in and there was one player that at one point was kind of happy to watch and not be it and so i thought at the end i was like oh i'm not giving this player enough opportunities but they said at the end they said no no you gave me the option but it was at the point in the story where my character was standing back and so it was it was the right moment mm-hmm. for other people so so that was okay but yeah, so I really enjoyed it and i'll probably be running it again because it's quite a nice one shot because you don't have to mm-hmm. prep the scenario because um, you collaborate it on the fly with the rest of the players. Yeah. And I think it's something a bit different and fun for players as well, because it's like, oh, we're going to light some candles and you're going to burn your character sheets and do fun stuff. <laughs> so it's got that novelty thing for a nice yeah. one-shot that I like. Yeah. But yeah, I enjoy running horror games as well, because I do. Mm. A, I was playing with people I knew well, first of all, and oh, also yeah. I was quite strict on doing Lies and Veils, so I knew mm-hmm. I could. I knew where the boundaries were, so I could horrify them, yeah. but in a way that they were still comfortable sat around the table playing games. Yeah, sounds like you had a really clear emotional experience that you wanted to evoke in mind. Yes, yeah. yeah. And I had I, some really good players who were on board for that as yes. well, which is nice. They, they got the cooperation of the group, was mm-hmm. able to go through it, everyone knew what they're going, and the atmosphere, the, the mechanics has described, as I understand them, with my limited mm-hmm. understanding, are very much promote that sort of role play. The, yeah. The, the candles, the blowing them out, the uh, character sheets. Yeah. That you burn at the end, yeah. And we played a real it. sense of like yeah. loss. And we played it completely you, in the dark. You, so, why don't you very quickly explain some of this candle stuff? Yeah. Yeah, the game. Oh, sure. So, yeah, because um, the... it's fascinating. Oh, well, if you'd like a full episode and you can listen to the not D&D episode yeah. where I interview the creator. But right now, you're but right now, to this podcast, so. <laughs> Yeah, but right now, so pretty much the, the, the game is, it's a very free-form narrative yeah. game. The beginning of the game starts with the characters uh, narrating a what's uh, a lot of what happens and later in the game it comes back to me stealing control a bit more but i'll come back to that so basically mm. the game is called 10 candles because there are 10 tea light candles lit um around the on the table and this is kind of there because there are 10 scenes that you're going to go through in the game so it sets the pacing of the game uh, you also roll because you have a collective dice pool and the collective dice pool is the number of dice you have equal to the number of candles that are lit at the start of the scene so and you're trying to roll a six any number of sixes if you get one six six is a success and so obviously at the start of the game you have 10 dice and so you're likely to roll a six but later in the game there's one candle less likely also mechanically when all the candles are out all the characters have died so you tell the players from the very beginning your character will die so yeah 
people buy into that. Um, mm. But yeah, so uh, and what happens in a you'll 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 kind of do a scene and that people will make roles when there's what's called a conflict and that can, doesn't have to be a fight. That can be there's you're going to open a door, so roll to see what's mm. behind that door. So they would roll something and then if they succeeded, we'd carry on the scene and I would say to them, okay, and what's behind the door? So the players mm. at the beginning are very much building the world and, and putting things there, and you think there's and because it's a collaborative story, players aren't always trying to. Um, win as it were my, or my players certainly were putting obstacles in the way they were like there is something awful behind the door <laughs> instead of going it's a room full of everything we need and lovely supplies they're like ah oh, something's <laughs> trying to kill us behind there and i was like wonderful we're on board with what game we're trying to play um but yeah so you make your rolls uh but if you fail a roll you have to darken a candle it ends the scene and obviously you're one step closer to death <laughs> in the nicest way so it's kind of basically how the mechanics work but also on your of your character you have um virtues and vices which are character traits you have and the way they work is in the scene if you want to re-roll any of your dice on the roll you have to burn that trait which i wrote on little cue cards so they have to burn that trait and then they get to re-roll any ones that they rolled uh, to try and get success um and they also have to incorporate that personality trait into the scene somewhere so the, the vices are kind of negative things that generally will rock the gameplay in a bit of a negative way. Yeah. It's nice, nice, tight bit of game design there. Yeah. What, it's, plans, yeah. what about plans for the year, Jess? Have you got anything that you want to play, intend to play, mm-hmm. booked into play? Yes. So I am planning to GM again, uh, a game of 10 candles again, because I kind of feel prepped and ready to do mm. that. So I feel comfortable mm-hmm. doing that. I'm also going to try running a little campaign Uh, because I got my copy of Blade Runner uh, through and I got I I kickstarted the version that gives all the stuff so it's got loads of like maps and you know fun pieces to hand out to players and stuff and I have uh, one of my friends is really good at that sort of thing they're really good at investigation and like they're the person that writes notes in the game and then figures out the plot before everyone else. They're that sort of person and they're not in my main weekly campaign at the moment so I was like oh do you want to do do this because I think it would really suit you and they could play that. And um, they've said for Blade Runner it works well if there's less players on the table. So I was planning on GMing for just two people. Ooh, and so, wow. uh, yeah, because they said, they said um, I think it says in the book, like two to four players. But when I did the interview with them about it, they said less players can make it more interesting because cause then yeah. two people are actually going through the documents and collaborating, mm. you know. Um, mm. And so I have two people in mind I'd like to run for that. That's a... Free league, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So using the Year Zero engine. Correct. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, right, I I have played in some of those those games before, so it'll be familiar. But I'll want to read through the rules and, and kind of prep it. Yeah. yeah. And I like the film. about getting that six. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I like the settings. So I feel kind of a bit mm. more comfortable uh, playing yeah. that. And also the people I've invited to play have a similar level of knowledge of that world that I do. So that yeah. I haven't got an expert coming in that's kind of like, well, actually this. And I'll be like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, which I think is also where I have as a GM. So I'm planning on doing that. And that'll probably be in March time or so because between yeah. then and now, Russ, I'm in a game with you. Are you? Yes. <laughs> I don't know if you've dissociated every Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I had noticed. I had noticed. Um, yeah, well, I'm running two games at the moment. Both of them are level up advanced fifth edition campaigns. Nice. Um, which is my preferred expression of the D&Ders these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is I'm running through uh, the To Save a Kingdom uh, adventure path, which isn't out yet, but we're going to release later this year. Mm-hmm. 
And then the other one, I am running through Dragons of Despair, which is a classic Dragonlance adventure from the 1980s, using Level Up Advanced 5th Edition. And that one um, is being live-streamed on Tuesday nights, and oh, I am yeah. really, really enjoying running that. Really enjoying yeah. revisiting it. I'm finding that I don't even need to look at the book. I know, Just, I know, you know that so well that I don't. I, I, I literally barely looked at it in because we we've done three weeks now. Yeah, mm. barely opened it. Not needed to. Yeah, you know, I've got stats for a few monsters. I know I need mm. like up, up, up on one screen, and I, I, I don't need to open up the actual adventure. It's weird. Wow. Yeah, I'm running, I'm running that, which I'm having great fun. Killed two players this week. Yeah. Characters, not players. Yeah, yeah, but then they came, but then they came back. Yes. Oh. Anyone who's familiar with um, DL One or the Dragonlance Chronicles, they basically yeah. got river winded. Yep. Pretty yeah. much exactly. Yeah, pretty yeah, much, yeah. almost exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they're currently making their way down into the ruins of Zach Saroth and have just emerged mm. from the sewer pipe, covered in flour and sewage, which is lovely. Nice. So it's a delightful yeah. time. So I'm having fun playing yeah. that as well. Because I'm I'm also in another level up game, but the, the vibe is very different. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice to have two very... Uh, but also one is a private home game and another one's an actual play. And they're, it's always different. They're different anyway, so... Actual plays are definitely yeah. very different to run. Yeah, that, uh, yeah so that's for sure. Being yeah, you're, you're playing a martial character, aren't you? I a am, martial. for the first time. And yeah. I got to level up to level three, which I might do... Which I might... I will be doing <laughs> I, might, I might level up to level I might four. Not. I might not. I no. might just stay at level uh, two. So I'm going to move to level three. <laughs> um, but I think I might do that on Sunday. And I might um, mm. live stream it, actually. I was thinking about it, just to get some advice from other people who have played martials. It's my first time playing martials. Have and, you had yeah. any thoughts about your archetype? No, not one thought has happened behind these eyes for us to be honest <laughs> and then that's why i was thinking about doing a live stream for it so i could mm. get people's opinions so if you're a marshal so i haven't decided if i'm doing that yet but if i do it'll be on so the end publishing well there's, there's only three in the adventurous guy but there's another yes. one two three four five six in the gate pass gazette exactly wow. which i do have so yeah and i'm used to playing marshal so i haven't but so i'm gonna have a little read through and then i might uh, on mm. sunday i might do that and i might do a little live stream so if people have thoughts um you know, look mm. out for that. I'll let you know. Mm. But yeah, so I'm I'm enjoying playing Marshall. In my other game, I'm playing a bard in Level Up, yeah, which I'm having fun with. Just this chaotic. I was not at all played optimized because I've just gone very much for theme um, more than anything right. else. But yeah, mm. but, but optimizing for fun. Oh op- yes, optimizing for fun. Yeah. Yeah. But another campaign that may, may there's discussions. So I played a mm. one shot. Was meant to be a one shot game of Absurdia. And have you heard of oh, this? Yeah. Are we familiar no, with it? Not at all. So, uh, Absurdia is an absurdist modern fantasy role-playing game about the inane hilarity and understated horror of everyday life. Um, mm. So it's like quirky, weird, unhinged kind of horror, but everything's like bureaucratic and like think Twilight mm. Zone, Gravity Falls, that sort of vibe. And it's quite Kafkaesque in some respects, and but also mm. with like some fairly, uh, I guess, Dadaist humour. So, okay, sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the only issue is we played this one shot on a Sunday afternoon at the end of a convention where everyone was very overtired and a bit mm. silly and really leaned into the silly of it. So I feel very yeah. sorry for the GM who spent an hour, who's who spent like a few minutes trying to organise us and then went, I think they need to just be silly and gave us an hour to just run around and be manic 
and then mm. took us on track to get to the adventure. They're like, they need to just do this. <laughs> and we had a great time. There were some amazing characters that came out. Um, and the system is powered by the based on Powered by the Apocalypse, which I'm not a huge yeah. fan of, if I'm yeah. honest. But I really liked, in Absurdia, the character creation, and they have a section on town creation, where it's like a collaborative, you build the town and piece it together and, and things like that. And part of the character creation has... Uh, your relationships with other people on the table. And that was really nice. I enjoyed that. And so the GM who run it was considering running a campaign of this, but says, let's start again and actually use these system. Maybe we'll use a different system than Power of the Apocalypse for the actual campaign, but let's use this character builder and this uh, town builder and this setting to kind of build it. Mm. So I may... Hopefully I'll be invited to play. <laughs> Me assuming I'll be invited. But yeah, but um, so there was talk of that happening. And yeah, and I, so Absurdia is on Itch now. I think it was re- recently crowdfunded on Itch and um, it's on version 0.9 and they're planning to update and reiterate it as it goes. But um, yeah, I just I just really enjoyed it. It was a really, I really liked the setting and I really liked the... Um, yeah, I just really like the the town creation and just the concept of it. So that was really good fun. So that might be Ooh. another campaign I may be playing in the future. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm playing a bit of uh, Delta Green. I don't know uh, much about Delta Green. Oh, well, it's Call of Cthulhu, mm. but okay, um, yeah, yeah. It's all, but it's set in modern day. Mm-hmm. So this particular campaign is set in 2016, and we're investigating something. Something's going weird. Something there's like you know missing people, drug dealers. It's a, a night at the opera, uh, which is the name for going on an operation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the GM's never run Call of Cthulhu before, which is yeah. like, interesting. Mm-hmm. So I do feel like a bit sorry for him because I've run Laundry, which yeah. is Call of Cthulhu, but with the British Civil Service mm-hmm. Department responsible for dealing with things that go bump in the night. So it's sort of a different thing. And he's also got someone who's like a complete Call of Cthulhu like, fan, fan person, yeah. Oh, but so much stuff is like, oh, when I know this, like, random stuff about it, it's like, just just what's just what's on the handout, Dave. <laughs> it's like, Your character like, knows not as much as you as the player. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's very hard to fizz up ignorance, uh, but I'm, I'm really enjoying it um, because one of the things is that Delta Green lost all its records at one point. Okay. Like, all, 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 it, all its operational institutional knowledge gone. In a terrible inferno, um, so that seems to become relevant because we found a folder uh, of a police record we were looking at, which which has a small delta symbol in green on the back of it, and we're like, great. So we've been in that the organisation has been in previously, looted all the information, and then left. Marvelous. Good work, guys. We should have digitised it, but instead we allowed it to be consumed by Inferno. Great mm. job. Great job. Well done, everyone. Well done. So, yeah, 1996, 2016, all tied together uh, with Shades of the Vietnam War in there as well. It's uh, I don't know what's going to happen next, but I'm looking forward to it very much. That does sound like a fun campaign. I do want to play something 3D this year, I think. Whether it's The One Ring, which I'm interested in playing, or mm. Alien, maybe Blade Runner, but I think I'd rather do Alien over Blade Runner. Or the one ring. I don't know. I would. I would like to play. I haven't really used their system. Yeah, I mean, so. I, I I think I'm a bit Year Zero engine. Yeah, yeah I'm, a, I'm a bit. I don't know about not it. So, not I so keen actually, on it. 
Yeah, well, I, 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 it's like um, I like all the properties and the ideas and obviously the beautiful art, but the actual system itself, it's all about rolling a six. Mm. And you know what? Are, I, are you not good at doing that? Is that what well, the you, issue you, is? You never roll sixes. Like... Is that because you're using D4s again, Peter? Oh, Peter. I'm not using D4s again. <laughs> I, I think basically it was just, it might have been, maybe there was a bit of a, a, like, a disconnect between the DM, how they wanted to run the game, and how we wanted to play the game, but it was just like, I didn't really feel comfortable trying to sneak, because if I need one success, I I probably want to have like six dice, six or seven dice to throw at it. Oh, right. oh okay. Um, yeah, like four dice. Uh, it's like I don't feel confident about getting a six on that yeah, at all. Still got a reasonable chance. Oh, okay. You could still get it, um, even just one dice, though, Peter. You, Live in the moment. Have four, you have you have a four in six chance. I mean, it's all about consequences and so forth. Like, if it's something very inconsequential, I'll take a six. Damn the consequences! I think we have different yes, role play yeah. styles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I, th- I think it depends. Mm. Like, uh. Upon, like, you know, I, I was trying not to ruin the game for other people by having us all massacred by Nazis. That seemed like a poor thing. A poor Whereas, choice. And the, that's, that's just a rule I have in life. It's, yeah. it's a, I, I mean, sadly, it's become a lot more relevant. Um, right. Anyway, so, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, um, in another game, I was just like, we we're running up to a goblin camp. Uh, I'm like, take us to your leader. <laughs> I'd what game, was, what game was it you were playing? That was Savage Pathfinder. Oh, um, yeah, because it's like it's sort of different systems have a different like vibe to them. Like Savage Savage Worlds, which Savage Pathfinder is obviously powered by, has a big, very much a bias to success. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know what? Yeah, sorry, I was I just confused. To... I thought we were talking about the Year Zero engine. I was getting really confused by what we were oh, talking yeah, about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so, like, we, we moved. <laughs> we moved on. Yeah. Well, it's like just comparing and contrasting. It's like, I. Mm-hmm. If I if I'm trying to avoid everyone being killed by Nazis and sneaking around, I want like seven dice to try and get as much success as possible. Whereas if I'm like, well, we're probably going to fight these goblins anyway, but let's see if I can bluff them first. Mm-hmm. Um, with exploding dice, uh, many things are possible. Many things are possible. You should um, just throw the exploding dice at the Nazis. Well, indeed, that 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 would that would definitely be an option. It was it was uh, yeah, like I say, year zero. Didn't have such a great time of it. Savage Pathfinder had a great time. Loved it. I suppose it depends on the game as well, though. So if yeah, you're yeah. playing like a heroic style game, maybe yeah. Year Zero wouldn't work so well for you. If you're playing Alien or something, yeah, you kind of want that to feel a bit despairing yeah. and bad. So it maybe would work better for you in that scenario. Oh, 100%. Like the push-to-luck mechanics and so forth mm. would very much work a lot better yeah. with the Alien vibe to it. But my playstyle would be different because mm. I'd be thinking there's a much bigger chance of just being dead. Yeah. Um, the character sheet's covered in. These are various ways that you can death spiral, like by losing dice and getting mm. negative penalties. It's like, well, so if I get hurt, then I'm less likely to be able to do anything. It's them doing uh, Realistic. Walking Dead, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which yeah. I'm excited so I about. Yeah. I kind of feel like that, like Alien and Walking Dead, kind of survivalist. Mm. Yeah, survival horror. Stuff. I imagine mm-hmm. yeah, would work. Yeah, does kind of work well with uh, a less heroic system. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I mean, yeah, we're we're talking similar to like the basic role play system, like the Call of Cthulhu stuff, mm-hmm. where there is again a bias to failure. Yeah. The more times you are rolling the dice, you are more guaranteed to fail, um, and the consequences of the failure are going to be pretty pretty severe. 
Whereas in Savage Worlds, it's like, just, we're just going to go for it because we might well succeed. And that's sort of part of the fun because it goes horribly. It's a very swingy game. It goes horribly wrong or horribly right. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's just, just, just different styles. Or Feng Shui. In Feng Shui, if you do something completely off the wall, then it's really fun. So I don't know. Uh, maybe you should go to a convention and find time to play some of these uh, other games because yeah yeah I mean for, for me it's like going to a convention I'm usually working them like as the question was earlier but yeah, yeah conventions yeah. that don't we don't have a stand at are more are better for that I guess yeah. Yeah. that's what I'm saying go, go to a convention where if even if you have a stand try and find some time off to actually play some games yeah because it just gives you so much more insight mm-hmm. like I've talked about the Year Zero engine I've never played it before now played it on a computer game. Uh, Mongoose Traveller 2016 version I so what game were you playing Year Zero engine in? yeah what did you play yeah that was called The Tank it was a World War 2 setting and mm-hmm. we were said it was, very, it was supposed to be very Band of Brothers and we were supposed to be sneaking behind German lines to disable a tank hmm. it, it, it it could have been brilliant uh, but for me it didn't really hit the spot because when someone in that sort of situation my preferred answer to many things is going to be we're going to sneak around very quietly and if there is going to be fighting it's going to be as one side as I can possibly imagine yeah. it. Do you know which version of the rules you were using? So I understand that they're all different Year Zero engine is different in each game. They yeah. tweak it for each one. Yeah I think this was um, designed for a World War 2 setting. It had like you could get Grits and Lucky Strikes which is a like a, a brand of cigarettes which mm. were very popular during World War 2. Ah, yeah. So it was like a hack, was it? Uh, I think it was sort of an official hack. I don't really know. It just said Year Zero Engine. The guy had a big old folder full of stuff. Mm. It's just like um, very different. You'd think the Year Zero Engine has an open gaming license, so third-party content creators can use it. So it might have Mm. not been made by Free League. It might have been a third-party creator made it. And I imagine their license is irrevocable. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or irrevocable well, we don't know <laughs> I think it is I think a lot of different publishers have made the effort to make it as open. well we're doing a similar thing with what's yeah. old is new we went to mm. basically I think everyone's all third party content creators for D&D have had their fingers burnt so I think everyone else the different system is like yeah. we want to reassure you that that's not going to mm. happen here yeah. So. yeah well there we go that's something I'm going to be playing this year I'm going to be playing more what's old is new yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Since we're investing more in that this year, mm-hmm. bringing out a starter set and everything, and stuff, playing it more. Well, I, I think the last time you played What's Old is New, I ran it for you. No, that's not the last time I played What's Old. Oh, okay, fair enough. I played that's right. Many times since then, Peter. Oh, well, it's well. <laughs> that um, was like four or five years ago. I, 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 I had no idea, Russ. First time, first time I looked at the system. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, yeah, so we got the starter set on. I've been, I've written the starter set now, the rule book, mm. 32 page rule book, and I'm quite pleased with that. Yeah. yeah. Quite happy with how that's coming out. Does it have an adventure? Uh, so we have three adventures. So I'm not writing the adventures. Other yeah. people are writing the three adventures. So there's oh. going to be three short adventures in that starter set. Oh, yeah. One of them for each era. So there's going to be a fantasy adventure, a modern oh. adventure, and a sci-fi adventure. Mm-hmm. And each one's going to be quite short, like a 10 page adventure oh. with pre-gens. Mm-hmm. And then a 32-page rule book. And then mm-hmm. all in a nice box. And maybe some other stuff in there, depending if we can keep the cost down. But it depends on uh, how much it costs to make this stuff. Because we want it We want it to be cheap. We want. We don't want yeah. people spending like 40 quid. No. I mean, quid, a starter so, set yeah. is meant to be, try it, see what yeah. you think. So you don't yeah. want to spend so much money that if it's not for you, that you've 
Shake your fist yeah. at the sky. Yeah, and once you start yeah. putting maps and tokens and dice in there, the cost starts oh, yeah. going. Unless you're producing in serious volume. Yeah, yeah. 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 it becomes a volume game. So yeah, yeah. Know. So that 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 is my plan to play this year. More what's all this new? And I'm looking forward to that because I really like that game. I don't want my word, I wrote it, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like you made it exactly how you wanted it. Yes, yeah, almost yeah. like that. Almost, almost exactly like that. Yeah, yeah. By, by some guy called Ross Murrissey or something. Yeah, like that. that guy. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, jerk, I hear. Yeah, he's worse. Yeah, my general plans for 2023 is to play more one-shot games so I can try different systems mm. to see what I like, mm. and I want to try and GM yeah. more. And GMing one-shots, yeah. I think, is far less of a commitment mm. than doing a campaign. I think you should live-stream something. I am live-streaming live- every Tuesday. No, GM live-streaming something. <sighs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it's not like the worst idea, but it is quite intimidating if you're still unsure about how. I was nervous, to be honest. Yeah, I was nervous. But you're not a yeah. new GM. How long have you been running games? It's the live streaming bit. You've been you've been bit. running games. Yeah, but for yeah. me, it's live streaming, and then I've got to run games. You've been running games bit. as long as I've been yeah. alive, Russ. Oh, it's um, harsh but fair. <laughs> Like you, Jessica. <laughs> longer, longer than even the last. It's been kind, but yeah, but no. So I yeah. um maybe right now I live stream every Monday and Tuesday, and then oh. I play a game every Wednesday, and then oh. the third Thursday of the month we have our monthly live stream, uh, and then oh. every other Friday I play a Woofer Up campaign, and every other Saturday I play oh. a Level Up campaign. So my evenings where I'm free to take on another game are limited currently. <laughs> Wow, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing two at the moment, and that's enough for me in a week. I'm gaming like yeah. three or four nights a week, which is great, but it mm. means like the rest of my life I need to allocate some time for that, you know, yeah. like to spend time with loved ones and well, things. The thing is, I want to I want to add some board gaming into my, my gaming repertoire as well, mm-hmm. my gaming mm. calendar, as it were, as well. So that would be more time, but I'm yeah. thinking of doing a, a once a month board gaming mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's, not, it's not too arduous. Yeah. I have been doing more board gaming than I've been doing role playing games lately, mm. which is not my ideal situation, I assure you. But yeah, well, but yeah. board gaming's always been my blind spot, really. Mm. I just, you know, I've never done a lot of it. I've done bits of it. I've never done mm. a lot of it. I've always been more focused on the role playing side, and I just kind of mm. want to get a bit more into board gaming because board gaming is a bit more accessible and it's a bit more yeah. generally, you know. Uh, often there is less work associated with it. Mm. It depends what you're doing. Like I've been enjoying Massive Darkness. Because essentially it's got almost character classes and everyone's got like their own different mechanics. Yeah. Which means quarterbacking is a lot less of a problem. Well, I was thinking of like focusing on some really, really state of the art board games like Snicks and Ladders. Oh, yeah, yeah. Some groundbreaking things. Yeah, something groundbreaking. Yeah. That's a lot of rules that you're going to have to learn. What's that that one that had that dome with the dice in the middle and you press it down and it would. Ludo. Ludo, yeah, Ludo, yeah. Uh, yeah, so with too much enthusiasm. But yeah, no, board games. Yeah. Board games, I have a stack of 1, 2, 3, Ooh. 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 board games I have that I have not played uh, that I need to play, decide if I want to keep them, if I like them, and if they go onto my shelf. So that's what this stack here is that you see, the pile underneath the plant. Yeah. So my plan for this year is also to play these darn games and see if I like them. Yeah. And if not, release that's them back into the wild. <laughs> to graze yeah my latest on one nature. I got is the kickstarter Arcosa from Toon, Toonhammer Games so I haven't even oh, yeah. broken that out of the packaging yet 
It is a hefty mm. tome, but I'm looking forward to playing mm, that. Right. Yeah. Right. right, so that's well, our plans. I think we're probably done, aren't we? Yeah, that's our plans for the year. Play more one-shots. Play, play more games. Play Go to more conventions. Games. Go to more... Co- oh, I've... yeah. Shall we call an end to these shenanigans? Yes. Until we three meet again. In Thunder, Lightning, or in Rain. Was that? The Witches in Macbeth. Which, oh, yes. yes, of course it was. Which yes. I yeah. think yeah. that's where we would be cast. Yes. Are we the Witches in Macbeth? Yes. Bubble, bubble, yeah. toil, and... Trouble. Yes. I have newt and cauldron burn, cauldron bubble. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay, great. On that yeah. note, let's yeah. stop. On that bombshell. Yeah. 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 Please. Right. Goodbye. See you next week. Bye. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. Mm, That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. Are are you not good at doing that? Is that what the issue is? You never roll sixes. Is it because you're using D4s again, Peter? Oh, Peter. I'm not using D4s again. <laughs> I have D12 D4s, which are D4s which repeat three times and cover a D12 sort of shaped dice. So that my uh, GM asked for like a five, five D12. I'm like, ho, ho, have some of these. And it's like, this is a terrible roll.